Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, two men who would never have a prostitute for their birthday. It's Breadroll and JT. Uh, yeah, I can definitely agree with you on that one, Breadroll. Don't think that would go down too well. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, we're back again, everyone. Um, looking at my choice this week, it was a bit of a left field one, I have to say, um, but I thought I'd put it into the mix. So, what are we actually looking at, Breadroll? Well, we're looking at a film from 2011 called Wild Bill that was directed by Dexter Fletcher. It stars fucking everybody. Like, if you're a fan of British uh, TV and movies, there's pretty much the cast of everything in this uh, particular film. A few cameos, as we'll probably point out. It came out on the 21st of October 2011 for the London Film Festival. It had its full launch on the 23rd of March 2012, according to Wiki. It runs for 98 minutes. It had a budget of 700 grand and it came out of a box office of 60,430. So not the, uh, I didn't even know this film existed, to be honest. I thought I'd heard of it when you mentioned it last week, but apparently I hadn't. (laughs) What a terrible box office return. I mean, (laughs) I can't imagine this getting much publicity at all. Um, I mean, I don't remember it being out in 2012. Um, The only reason I picked up on it was the, uh, uh, projector room boys mentioned it in one of their podcasts one of them had watched it and i thought that sounds quite interesting being into these sort of gritty british films i'd certainly never heard of it before randomly though this does have a hundred percent score on rotten tomatoes which is no mean feat to be fair no it's not i mean i usually like logging on to rotten tomatoes just for comedy value because there's all kinds of fucking dodgy reviews on there but they're usually more genuine of all the kind of review sites you usually get a good feel for a film with his uh, rotten tomatoes school but uh I didn't realize this what about a hundred percent was it just one review uh, no, I think it was more than one. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, it wasn't hundreds, but I'm pretty sure there was more than one. I, but I can't remember, if I'm honest. Um, I might check that out before we finish this uh, podcast. A random, obviously, Will Poulter, 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 however you want to pronounce it. He's one of the main people in this. He was quite young. I mean, he's not exactly old now. This is 12 years old. Um, <laughs> a funny fact about him. So, I mean, he, he's quite goofy looking in this film. He's kind of grown into his face as he's turned into a man. But... Apparently, some fan came up to him when he was sort of this kind of age and said, I recognise you, you're Andy from Toy Story. And I, yeah, if you, I've heard if that. You actually, yeah, if you actually look at the um, the similarities, I mean, he does have to look like him, but obviously Andy's not even a real person, it's a character, a cartoon character. But he certainly uh, looks like him. He does look like him, but it just shows the state of the world, doesn't it? Were you the animated <laughs> character? Like, well, yeah, apparently I was, <laughs> I feel um like Will Poulter, I think he's I've seen him in quite a few things over the years. He's actually in Guardians of the Galaxy Three that's just come out in the cinema. He's playing um Adam Warlock in that. Um so he's doing all right for himself, but I feel bad because he's a bit of an I don't want to say like he's a he's not like ugly or anything, but he's an odd looking kid. He's got very distinct mm. features. Like I say, apparently he looks like a Pixar character. And I remember the first time I saw him in something, I tried to describe it to Rachel and I was like, he's a kid who looks like a bollock. And she's st- fucking <laughs> like an hour and then I was like then I finally remember the name I said there he is that's the bollock kid that's the one I was telling you about and she goes oh it's him that guy's called Will Poulter and I was just calling him the bollock boy that's a good description I mean he, he does look really weird in this film like I say as he's got older he, he oh, I don't want to be horrible to him he looks normal now and he's a pretty good looking man but yeah I mean he, he wasn't a great looking kid was he he was not no I mean but fair play he's done alright for himself um, we were actually discussing like because Black Mirror's coming back and we were talking about that Bandersnatch film the other day off air um, and he's actually in that isn't he he's one of the main uh, characters I think if not the main character I've only seen it once or played it once I've only seen it once as well and to be honest I can't remember any of the cast um, 
I don't know. I'm going to have to rewatch it anyway. Black Mirror is due next month, isn't it? The new season, as we said off air. Hopefully, it's better than the last one, which wasn't great, to be honest. Yeah, hopefully so. But all the ones before that were really good, in my opinion. Yes. But, uh, before we get sidetracked um, with Black Mirror, yeah, uh, Wild Bill. So Dexter Fletcher directs this one. Obviously, a bit of a legend in Britain, isn't he? And one thing about this is um, I noticed on some of the cast is Dexter Fletcher. One of the main things I always remember him from is, well, Lockstock, obviously, but also Band of Brothers, which is a great series on HBO, World War II one. I think you've seen it as well. But a few of the cast members in this all appeared in that as well. So I'd imagine he kind of made some friends while he was filming it. So it's a big production. Just kind of called them all back in because this must have been one of his first kind of directional movies, I'd imagine. I would have thought it would have been. Yeah, I mean, he, he wrote and directed it. It was him and a guy called Danny King who wrote it. But obviously he directed it as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really... A, familiar with his directing or writing career but yeah this must have been one of his first yeah and he's had another he's another guy who's had like a strange career i mean he's been in lots of films and shows and everything but like he's been like the fucking he used to present games master years ago and like we say he's like done some acting and everything now he's um obviously doing some directing he's kind of had his finger in a few different pies over the years yeah, doesn't he? Wasn't he in that kids' TV show? It's maybe slightly before your time press gang i think that's where he started when he was like a kid um, I'm pretty sure anyway, I could be wrong, but I'm sure he was in that. I'm not familiar with it, but you may well be right there, but I might go and check that out at some point. Well, he's 57 now. Um, so, duh, 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 duh. yeah, he was. He was Spike Thompson in Press Gang, and that was in 1991, I believe, looking at Wiki. So... Spike Thompson. Wow, what a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or was it 1991? I'm just having a look. Sorry, this is uh, live. Um, well, Games Master was 93 to 94. Uh, Press Gang was 1989, it started. So, yeah, I vaguely remember it. It was like a, a kid's newspaper, I think, and that's pretty much where he, he sort of made his name as a child actor, I guess. Well, 89 to 91, he still would have been, well, I don't know, I'm not going to work out how old he would have been, but there we go, teenage, late teens, maybe. Yeah, well, there we go, a bit of history of our, the old Dexter there. He's <laughs> done all right for himself. Yeah, he's not done too bad, has he? <laughs> So uh, let's take a look at the old synopsis of this one. So as usual, it's coming from Wiki. So thank you to whoever wrote this. And it goes a little something like this. So Bill is paroled after serving an eight-year prison sentence for drug-related offences. Returning to his home in East London, Bill finds his two sons, 15-year-old Dean and 11-year-old Jimmy, abandoned by their mother. Dean having dropped out of school to work and take care of Jimmy on his own. Dean makes it clear to Bill that he is not welcome in either uh, his or Jimmy's lives. Bill's former criminal associate, Dickie and Terry, offer Bill some drug dealing. Bill is on license and refuses, not wanting to return to prison, instead intending to go to Scotland to work on the oil rigs. During a parole meeting, Bill finds out that his sons, underage and without a legal guardian, will be surrendered to foster care, but is reluctant to take on fatherly duty. Dean reveals that he has confiscated his drugs and threatens to tell the police if Bill does not stay. There we are. There's a kind of uh, intro to this one. JT, what are your thoughts? It sort of opens with Bill being released from prison. Um, and straight away, this film looks quite bleak. And without giving too much away, it's not really a happy film. There's some moments of dark comedy, but it is quite a bleak film. But it's also obviously dealing with a fairly realistic situation. And I think the soundtrack in this film is quite good. It opens with um, Guns of Brixton by The Clash play. And I think that goes really well. We see him on the, on the ferry. Straight away, assuming he's been on the Isle of Wight, we find out later he has been uh, in prison on the Isle of Wight. 
Um, and then it cuts to our wheel porter, Dean, and he's looking after his little brother, Jimmy, as the synopsis said there. <laughs> Jimmy, I mean, he's 11, and he's been out on the Stella, or he's been drinking Stella the night before, and he's got cans of Stella under his bed, and he's got a bit of a fucking hangover. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's quite funny. <laughs> when they're walking to school, and he's like, I don't feel one. He's like, yeah, you, might, you shouldn't have got munted before a fucking school night or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And it's like, straight away, we're in with the bloody, the London lingo, and there's loads of it in there as well. Like, some of it's just fucking ridiculous. But you're right about it looking kind of gritty and bleak. I mean, we get that a lot in these, I think these British-style gritty dramas and stuff, and I've always preferred them to the American ones. And it's not because the American ones are bad. I think it's just because you can relate to it a bit more. You know, like obviously no London and that. And I think we do these kind of gr- grimy kind of looking shows and movies pretty well here. Cause the whole movie has got a kind of tone of like, there is violence in it. It's not over the top or anything, but the whole movie just has a bit of a tone and a kind of like undercurrent of is something going to kick off and it kind of keeps you hooked. I thought. Yeah, it does. And then obviously Bill turns up at the flat and he's banging the door trying to get him. Well, first of all, he phones, doesn't he? Dean answers the phone and no one says anything. And then Bill hangs up. And Jimmy says to Dean, who was that? And he's like, oh, it's the wrong number. And I don't know if he, if he knew it was Bill or if, if not, because no one says anything. So you don't really know if he clocked who it was calling or what. But he certainly says to Jimmy, oh, it's the wrong number. But then Bill does turn up at the flat, but they don't let him in. And again, they've got like that sort of glass panel in the door, but you can't really see through it. It's one of the frosted glass panels. And I'm thinking, does he know it's his dad the other side of that door? Is he just not letting him in? Because obviously he's wary of anyone coming in the flat like you would be when you're living kind of illegally almost. And then Bill turns around to the flat opposite, doesn't he? And there's that big fucking Russian dude in there who pretty much tells him to fuck off, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never lived in, obviously, London or anything like that, but I've grown up in some fairly, I don't want to say shitty areas, but some suspicious areas. And some of my friends used to live in blocks of flats like that, and it would be the sort of thing that someone's banging on your door any, any time, no matter where you live, really. Someone starts banging on your door in the middle of the night, you'd be like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, that big... um sort of Russian or Polish guy, whatever he is, he, he's fucking huge, isn't he? He's massive. And he's like, well, why don't you fuck off? And this sort of tells him the fucking <laughs> slingshot, basically. He does, doesn't he? I mean, this this sort of sets up all the characters. We've seen Bill, obviously, the main character. We've seen uh, Dean and Jimmy. We also catch our first glimpse of um, Steph, who plays a part in it. It turns out to be sort of uh, Dean's girlfriend in the end, without giving too much away. And her dad's a complete pisshead. He's quite funny, and he's all over the shop pretty much every time you see him. Um... Cuts to Dean working on the building site as well there, as, as the synopsis said, and he's getting grief from his boss. I mean, he shouldn't be working on the building site. He's underage for a start, and his boss does say a little bit later on that I'm doing you a fucking favour here, so you need to help me out. We also meet Roxy, who um, plays quite a big part as well. And she she's a, appears to be a hooker at this point, and she kind of is. She's kind of being pimped out by T, who we're going to meet in a minute. And she's, um, she's in bed with um, Hardeep Singh Kohli, who I believe is a comedian. He, he gets credited but that's the only appearance he does. He gives the embedded and he never appears again, does he? There's a few um, cameos like that along the way because Sean Pertwee jumps in it for like a minute. He He's like a copper in the um, cafe. And then we've got Jason Fleming. He turns up as one of the kind of welfare officers. Um, again, a lockstock connection there. Um, so, yeah, there's just loads of like, to say, known British actors that are all, you know, good in their own right. They're just kind of popping in and out of this one. An old um, uh, Roxy there, Liz White plays her and um, she's um, in a show that Rachel and I like called Ash, um, Life on Mars. It's like an old show from a good few years ago, but she was really good in that. So all these actors kept popping up and I was like, fuck, I know her from this, I know him from that. And yeah, it was really good. Yeah, Life on Mars, I never watched it, but I do know the programme. Um, yeah, I like Roxy as a character. Well, I think she's really good in this and she's one of the more grounded characters in, in the whole film. I mean, most of them are all over the place, but she's 
obviously being pimped out by Tears, we find out. But other than that, she is pretty down to earth. Um, and then we do actually meet T, don't we? Um, old, I think Dickie is mate. T's, uh, Bill walked past, he's like, shit, straight on the phone. And then Bill goes straight to the pub, doesn't he? And I quite like the landlord as well. He made me laugh. He's quite a good character. He plays quite a part at the end of it. Um, and basically, T turns up and I thought he looked really familiar. But then looking at him on Wiki, he's been in a couple of things I've seen. I think, I think he's been in Green Street, possibly. But I thought he'd been in... I just looked at him and I thought, I recognise you, but he's not really been in much I'd seen. I can't remember the name of the actor, but again, he he's kind of sinister and menacing, but without being full on with it, if that makes sense. He's just got an undertone where, obviously, he's he's the big man now. When Terry, uh, Bill went away, he wasn't, but now he is. And I don't know, something about him. I thought he played the character quite well. Yeah, I remember him from Green Street. Leo Gregory, the actor um, who plays T, and he played a character called Bother in Green Street, um, which is a movie, even though I'm not a big football fan, I actually quite like that movie. It's just a good, straightforward, kind of violent British film again. Um, but i tell you what, um, he reminded me in this, just because the way he looks, I think it's the way his hair is, and he's got kind of big ears. He just reminded me of like a slightly shorter version. I think it's Joel Kinnaman, who played um, Flag in The Suicide Squad. He just kind of resembled him a little bit, and I think... Um, at first, I was like, "Is that him?" No, it's not. It's the other guy. Um, but he just reminded me of him for some reason. You're right, actually. Yeah, that's a really good shout. He reminded me of a fucking sinister Ian Beale for some reason. Flag's probably more accurate there. Um, I mean, and we also meet Pill, one of um, Terry's uh, minions, shall we say? I mean, he's fucking annoying. Um, the guy who plays him again, can't remember his name. I apologise here. Um, uh, Ian Rion, like, he's Welsh, um, and he puts on a, a pretty false Cockney chav accent, but I thought he does really well. I mean, he's such an annoying character, but he's meant to be, isn't he? He's a fucking old, an absolute dickhead. He is an absolute prick, and he's probably doing that kind of like chavy, like you say, a white guy yeah. trying to be black that all the kids used to do when Eminem first came out on the site. Again, he's so fucking irritating, he's just wanting to get his lock knocked off but again he's brilliant at it, and the actor who's Ivan Rion, like you said, I don't know if that's how you say it properly, but... um. He's been in quite a few things. Uh, he was in Game of Thrones and he played a character called Ramsay Snow and he was a real sadistic, evil bastard in that show and he's brilliant at it. But again, he just seems to play these characters that you kind of love to hate or just hate in general, but he's good at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't watched Game of Thrones, but I did check out his wiki and saw he'd been in that. Um, and then obviously, um, basically, it's weird, isn't it, when T and that give Bill the drugs and everything. I'm like, because he turns on him pretty quickly after that. But at this point, he's like, he gets Roxy involved. He said, oh, she's going to give you a fucking night to remember. Obviously, it's his first night out of prison. Tries to get him drunk, gives him the drugs. And then the next thing, like, we're back at the flat and Dean and uh, Jimmy are there and fucking the door's being banged and virtually kicked down. It's Pill. And he's bringing, well, Pill and, um, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of Dickie, isn't it? Bringing older. Bill back and he's actually fucked, isn't he? They just chuck him on the sofa and Dean's like, who the fuck's that? He's like, it's your old man. And off they go. And there he is, just led on the sofa out of his face. Yeah, yeah, he just fucking pisses a fart. And, and again, he plays it really well. I and mean, it's, it's got to be strange, hasn't it? I mean, I've never been to jail and hopefully I never will. Um, but for people sort of coming out, I was thinking, because one of the tones of this movie is like, he, what happens next is he comes back and finds out that like, his sons have been missing and the next thing, have been abandoned by their mum. They're sort of fending for themselves. And then, like, within 24 hours, he's got the fucking, you know, social services on his case and everything. And it's like, well, he's been out of jail 24 hours. He's literally only just found out this shit. How's he supposed to get everything together, whether he's an ex-con or not? 
he's only, you know, literally just found out his kids are on their own. You can't expect them to fucking just have everything under control within 24 hours. He hasn't even been kind of reintroduced to society yet, has he? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when he wakes up, obviously he's hanging out of his ass. Although he does seem to sober up pretty quickly and ask for some food. I mean, when I'm in that state, the last thing I want is bloody food. But anyway, he asked <laughs> Dean if he's got got some food, and Dean, I think, but makes him something. But he's not fucking happy as he tells him basically he's got to get his shit together and get out. And that's when we find out that their mum's he's gone off to Spain and left them. Um, and then it, then it cuts to Dean at the building site, and this is what made me think. Is Dean Dean's doing something dodgy for the site manager? He says, "You know, I'm doing you a favour. I'm going to bring some gear around tonight, and you can knock it out for me." We don't really find out what it is, whether it's stolen goods, whether it's drugs, but he's obviously doing some favours for the site manager, some dodgy dealing or something for him. And then it cuts to Bill, and he's seen his probation officer, and we find out he got banged up for carrying a concealed weapon, supplying Class A drugs. I think it's actually actual bodily harm and attempted murder. So, got a bit of a violent streak, Bill, and we do find out later on that that comes back. Um, and that's when she basically says, you're going to have to look after your fucking kids because, you know, otherwise, I'm, well, I'm going to get social involved, which she does. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking, you know, that's a hell of a rap sheet for, what, eight years? I don't know. I mean, I know the justice system's all the cock in this country. And I'm thinking, I'm surely attempted murder should land you at least 10 years uh, on its own before you add everything else on top of it. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert in all that sort of shit. But, um, yeah, I thought the storyline with, like, the site manager, like, obviously... Um, Dean's obviously he's underage. He's only fifteen at this point. His birthday, I think, is in the next day or two of the movie, and he turns sixteen. So he's obviously the site manager is letting him work there, knowing he's underage, but doing him a favour. But obviously shifting some goods for him, and that's a guy, the site manager, who's from Band of Brothers. But like you say, it never really goes anywhere. You don't really find out more about that. I suppose it's just to give you the impression that everywhere in this part of London, everyone's a dodgy geezer. Yeah, because they're building the Olympic Park, aren't they? Which, yeah. Um, so they're. So they're sort of building out at times. He's like, go on, then fuck off and build me a velodrome, doesn't he? At one point, which made me laugh. But, yeah. I mean, Dean obviously isn't happy. That, um, Social got involved and he blames Bill and everything when he comes back. And he says, you've grassed us up. And then Bill's like, no, I fucking didn't. And then he blackmails him, doesn't he? He's like, well, I've got your fucking coke. So you can keep them sweet. Tell them you're going to look after us so that they get off our back. And then you can fuck off. So he's got him by the balls, really, hasn't he? He has, yeah, and, you know, fair play. I mean, Dean's obviously had to sort of stand up for himself for the last nine months. He hasn't seen his old man for eight years or so, but he barely remembers him. So he's had to sort of grow up and be like the man of the house, as it were. And obviously the house, the, the flat, I mean, it's not a bad-sized flat, really, as far as flats go, but obviously it's a complete shithole. And they, they keep going on about the fucking toilet, don't they? For like the first half of the movie, everyone's like, you need to clean that fucking toilet. And eventually he does end up tidying it up and everything. But, um, yeah, it's pretty... Uh, bleak circumstance and just going back to the old landlord he is brilliant but he had two lines literally in the same scene that cracked me up like the first one was like or was it the usual 10 pints two grams and a punch up i thought that was yeah. quite funny and then they're talking about like the polish um uh, workers that have come over to build the stadium and he's like oh, i don't mind the polish the british kid would rather sing like a bender in front of simon cowell i just thought that was fucking brilliant as well <laughs> they are two great lines aren't they yeah like I say, he hasn't got many lines in this film but he certainly pulls off the ones he's got yeah, yeah, they are fucking good. And it, like I say, he does sort of come back and do a little bit um, a bit later on, doesn't he? As he in the sort of crux of the movie. Because at first, he's not too keen to see um, Bill, because as we know, Bill's got a reputation and no one's actually too happy to actually see him back on the block, as it were. No, no one really is, are they? These kids aren't no one. Yeah. So um, despite the number of challenges ahead of him, such as restraining Jimmy's delinquent behaviour, Bill is able to find legal work and bond with Jimmy. Jimmy has a tendency to abscond from school and be a drug mule for pill. 
Glenn's brother, Terry, threatens to undo Bill's progress. After nearly being caught, Jimmy disposes of the drugs uh, to avoid arrest, but this put him in a bad position with Terry. Dean visits his love interest, Steph, where the two nearly have sex before her father unexpectedly comes in. Uh, Jimmy, who has followed Dean to Steph's home, steals a large amount of cash from the kitchen to help pay off Terry. Terry demands Jimmy work off the remaining balance, threatening to burn down his flat if he does not. So we sort of get things sort of underway, don't we? Old Dean decides to stay because, uh, not Dean, sorry, old Bill decides to stay because Dean's gotten by the bollocks threatening him for his drugs. So he sort of like, he does what he can and everything. We also meet Andy Circus, don't we? He plays like the kind of, I don't want to say the kingpin as such, but he's like the, the leader. He's obviously T's boss, isn't he? And he kind of cuts this kind of camp, funny, but sinister villain. I couldn't put my finger on it. I like Andy Circus. I think he's brilliant. Um, I couldn't quite get what kind of angle he was coming out of as a character in this movie. Well, exactly the same thing here. He is—he's sinister, but in a really weird sort of way, isn't he? He's just—I don't know. It's just some of the things he comes out with. You're like, "Oh, you're quite menacing," but you're also quite camp. Is a really good word for it. Yeah, he's—he is good in this, though. And we get obviously um, the Jason Fleming cameo as well when social services come around. Old Jamie Winston as well plays the main social services woman. Jason Fleming's kind of there as well. So again, like you say, a heart back to Lockstock there, and then like. We sort of meet Steph a bit more now. She keeps coming past the building site and um, Dean keeps going down to talk to her and she's kind of leading him on a little bit, but he obviously likes him because she's giving these like really risque comments and saying, you know, come round. There's one bit though where she's like, your hair's getting a bit long. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, I had to sort of um, get some stuff for Jimmy. So I'm, I'm skinned, so I couldn't fucking afford a haircut. And I'm like, you haven't got any fucking hair. It's well short. <laughs> I mean, how short's it supposed to be? Yeah, no, he's got like a fucking bus cut. I suppose it's just any excuse to get him to come round. But like, she's being really obvious now. She's like, oh, if you don't ask, you won't sort of know sort of thing. And I'm like, I wish girls made it this fucking obvious when I was like trying to, when I was a teenager trying to find my way around sort of like that sort of side of things. Because she's probably like, like you say, sort of leading him on and being like, making it obvious in that. And I do like the bit where he's sort of, he's chatting to her and then his boss is like, oh, hey, Romeo, get back to work. And they're all kind of like dancing on top of the fucking, the building site and everything, like typical builders. Yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? I think, well, she's got a kid, obviously, Steph, and I think Pill's the dad, isn't he? Because he comes to her house at one point and he's banging the door going, take the fucking kid to my mum's and starts having a go at her and her drunk dad, doesn't he? So I think he's the father of the child, although that's not really explored, is it? No, no, it's not. It's like kind of, again, a bit like the um, Dean and his boss sort of thing. It's something that's kind of touched on, but then you don't really see him. Every time Steph walks by him and he's usually with a bunch of sort of tarts anyway and they're like calling her a skank or whatever, but it never really kind of follows on from that because I thought oh that's obviously going to be a sort of thing Pill and um, Dean are going to be at odds and that because he's dating his ex or something but that never actually comes to fruition in the movie which I thought was kind of good because it was predictable but too also it just seemed like a kind of wasted plot line if you know what I mean yeah it's just that little scene where Pill's like banging the window and that going oh fucking having a right go but then nothing else happens I guess it's just sort of showing what's going on on the estate because they all live in close proximity to each other I mean we get um Bill takes Jimmy to school and the headmistress comes out and she his headmistress or his teacher and says there was trouble yesterday. Some kids were smashing up the music block and where was Jimmy? He wasn't in school. And then Bill sticks up for him, doesn't he? He says, oh, he was with me visiting his sick grandmother. So they're, they're starting to bond over that, aren't they? And then when Dean comes home, Jimmy's uh, Bill's made Jimmy some tea and everything. And Dean's like, oh, you're playing fucking happy families now. He's still really not into the idea, is he? No, he's not. I mean, he does come around sort of a little bit towards it, and it's we've kind of seen this in these movies. I mean, one thing I will say about this film, it's like 
it doesn't have the most original plot, but it's one of those framework plots that I think we've seen done from these types of movies, even like the kind of old American wise guys, sort of Goodfella era gangsters, even as far back to Westerns as like, you know, someone who's been on the wrong side of the law comes back, tries to do the right thing and it doesn't quite go right and stuff. So the framework isn't fresh, but I quite like the characterization. Now there's a lot of good characters in this movie. Um, I just don't think some of them like there's just little plot threads and certain characters kind of hint at something, but it never actually does anything for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's only one hour, 38 minutes, which I don't think it outstays its welcome. So, you know, these plots probably didn't have time to expand too much. Um, there's one bit, though, when um, Bill and Jimmy are bonding, they're making paper airplanes. Jimmy, uh, Bill makes one out of a letter from social services, I think, chucks it in the flat. And then Jimmy comes over and they start chucking him over the balcony. And I'm thinking, if you're chucking bills in paperwork of your names and addresses all out of the flat, that's fucking really bad for data protection, isn't it? People are going to have all your details. I was thinking that, and again, it's just like the, the sign of the times, isn't it? And obviously, with the industry we both work in and stuff. But the first thing I was thinking, if that's an official document coming out, it's going to have like a, all kinds of details about you, and you're just thrown out into the fucking streets of London for any old Tom, Dick, or Harry to find and read. Yeah, I mean, one of them he throws over the balcony, and it goes on for fucking ages. I don't know if that was a real paper airplane or whether it was just photoshopped, but fair play if it was, it's pretty bloody good. And then Bill gets himself that job at fucking £3 an hour, isn't it? Like, Jesus Christ. I know this is like 12 years ago, but seriously? Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, we're actually going to see if he goes to this job, which it is. It's just a sign man, isn't it? He stands outside a shop looking depressed. And I was like, well, I would for £3 an hour holding a fucking sign. And it's like, you get 20 minutes for lunch and stuff. I was like, fucking hell, £3 an hour. I mean, we're all sounding like a snob. I mean, you and I both have maybe done it in the past, but £3 an hour wouldn't get out of fucking bed for it. No, not at all. Um, Especially living in Bill London. Starts clean... Oh, we're living in London, yeah. Fuck, you've got no chance, have you? I mean, Bill starts cleaning the flat now, and this is when he makes the amazing job of the toilet. I mean, that's what it was minging, and suddenly it's sparkling. So, fair play, you can come around and clean mine, although mine's not like that, I'm going to hasten to add. Mine is quite <laughs> clean, but I don't know what he cleans it with, but I want some of that. But And while all this is going on, this is when... Um, Jimmy gets involved with T and his crew, and his little mate Boz, who's a complete little fucking chav, like most of the characters are in this. And they, uh, they're in the back of T's car, aren't they? And this is when T sets them up with the drugs, and when that sort of storyline kicks off. Yeah, yeah, that is good. And that's so you can kind of see it was going to go down that route, but obviously where they're targeting the kid because um, old Andy Circus he says to T, doesn't he? It's like I don't want old Bill around here because. You know, he's, he's got a history and everything like that, and it might make some of our buyers nervous and all that sort of shit. So they really just turn on him straight away, don't they? Just his presence they don't want. And where he said he was going to go up to Scotland, they're trying to get him to sort of bugger off out of town and everything. So they're obviously using his kid, his future leverage, which obviously works for them. But they're right bastards as well, because obviously Jimmy's with that fucking twat of a mate of his. And obviously, like I say, he throws the drugs down the um the drain when they're, when he gets pulled out, like the cops pull up and chat to his mate and everything. So he does it, which is not a bad idea sort of thing, you know, get rid of the evidence. But then he goes to the house and T's like being a right cunt to him, isn't he? Sorry, don't usually use that word yeah. on the show, but I'm going to use it anyway. But he's like got his hand and he's crushing it. And it's like fucking gangsters and everything. You're such hard nuts. You're like beating up a fucking 11 year old kid. It's like, what a bunch of tossers. Yeah, exactly. Because just before that, we meet um, Roxy again. Because um, Jimmy tells Bill that it's a. Uh... Oh, fucking Dean's birthday, and he's like, what's up with him? Well, it's his birthday. He's like, shit. So he goes <laughs> off to get some ingredients to make him a cake, doesn't he? And we bump into Roxy. Well, he bumps into Roxy, and she's like, well, 
you know, he's 16 now. He doesn't want a fucking cake and everything. So he gets back to the flat and he's like, oh, I've got a surprise for you on your birthday. And he's like, okay, he takes him to his bedroom and fucking Roxy's in bed waiting for him, isn't she? And at first he goes in there and you think, okay, they're going to get it on. Then he comes out and he properly kicks off. Then he's like, get her out of my fucking house. And I do like this bit because old Jamie Winston turns up while they're arguing. And she wants to, she's looking around the flat. And she's like, oh, you've done a really good job with the bathroom or the toilet. That looks really good. And the flat looks really good. You're doing really well, Bill. Can I go into um this room? He's like, oh, no, that's Dean's bedroom. You know, he, he's a teenager. He might be a bit funny about you going in there. Fucking Roxy's in there, obviously, carrying under the duvet, almost going, shit, I'm going to get busted here. And then he, she's like, all right, I'll go in there next time. And then just as she's leaving, she's like, what were you arguing about? And they're like, what? She's like, oh, I heard them raise voices. What are you arguing about? Bill's like, oh, oh, yeah, Dean didn't like what I got him for his birthday. She's like, oh, what was that? And old Jimmy pops up with, yeah, it was an old bike. I thought it was a crane line. <laughs> it is a fucking brilliant line. It's a bit of an insult as well, because um, she's not that yeah. old for starters. So, but there is a great line when he comes storming out of the bedroom. He's like, you brought a prostitute to have sex with me in my own mum's bed. Well, they're all out of action, man. thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. Like I say, there is some definite dark comedy in this one, but... There's one bit here, which is, I mean, T's an absolute arsehole, as you just said there. I mean, he, he's had a go at, you know, he has a go at Jimmy, but they're, they're cutting up this fucking huge brick of coke. They're making rocks out of it, and they're, they're getting off their tits. Him, um, Dickie, and the other guy whose name escapes me, they're all getting fucked up, aren't they? And then fucking Roxy gets really pissed off with um, uh, Jim, uh, fucking, what's his name? Dickie, doesn't she? She's like... Uh, tells him to fuck off and he just turns around and lumps one and that punch looked really real I thought that was fucking brutal I mean you don't punch women do you no you don't and as I say like these guys are just absolute tossers like hitting women and beating up little kids and stuff so yeah real tough gangsters aren't you in your shitty little flat cooking coke and cutting it with fucking bacon soda or whatever it is they're doing bacon powder or whatever um to make the rocks and that but yeah they're absolute fucking bell ends but uh, I don't know I mean there are quite people like this out there we know there are probably to be fair but um yeah, they're just absolute arseholes. And then she goes back around and she sort of like strikes up a bit of a relationship now with uh, Bill, doesn't she? She goes to his flat. She's got nowhere else to go. And at first, um, Dean doesn't want her there, does he? He's like, no, no, I don't want her. Get rid of her. And she's about to leave. And then he sees like the big bruise and like mark on her face. He's like, oh, actually, she can stay. And then they kind of come a bit of a strange kind of like makeshift family out of nowhere, don't they? They kind of do, don't they? Because he's had a bad night, Dean, isn't he? So he goes over to Steph's for his haircut. First thing she does is give him a can of Stella. I'm like, nice. And uh, <laughs> then she's like, right, okay, I'm going to cut your hair. Then she just starts fucking stripping him off. And then she strips herself off. I mean, I did check. She, I think she was 21 when she did this, the actress who plays um, Beth. Because um, she, she's quite quite an attractive girl. I mean, fucking, we said that old Will Paul was a bit weird looking at this age. But, you know, he's definitely punching above his weight a bit there. But while all this is going on, and obviously, as the synopsis said there, and her fucking dad comes back. He's pissed out of his face, as always. But old um, Jimmy's outside, isn't he? He sees his chance. He goes in there and nicks all the fucking money. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> the, the guy who plays her dad, again, he's in Band of Brothers and Green Street. It's a bit of a trend here with this particular movie and just British shows in general, I suppose. But he's really good. And throughout the movie, they keep hinting that um, Bill, because T was now kind of like in charge of like the manor or the block or whatever you want to call it, like they're hinting that like Bill did something to his brother back when he was like running mm. things and stuff and completely fucked him up. Um, and he even makes that threat. He goes, just you tell him what happened to my your his fucking brother, and that's gonna happen to him at one point. I'm wondering, is this supposed to be his brother? And the reason he's like just a shambling alcoholic is because Bill fucked him up so much. Because 
earlier on in the movie, the first time we see him, he's asleep on the sofa with his hand down his pants and he's pissed himself, hasn't he? And now he's just kind of yeah. shambling around the house. He comes in when they're trying to shag each other and he sits down and he goes, I'm sorry, I'm hungry, and just all this sort of stuff. And it's kind of <laughs> But it's sad, but I'm wondering, is that supposed to be T's brother who Bill fucked up back in the day? Could well be. We, like I say, we, we, we never do find out. He's just a pissed up mess, isn't he? But we don't actually <laughs> really know what relation he is. I mean, he's he's harmless, I guess, but he's all over the place the whole time. But yeah, poor old um, Dean obviously thought he was going to, well, it's going to be his birthday proper, but it doesn't quite happen. But then Steph... Says to meet her the next day at the cafe, eleven o'clock, and he's like, "Yeah, okay." And he goes home quite happy. And that's when he sees, um, obviously Roxy in his flat. And then, poor fucking Dino, he meets her the next day, and she thinks he's stolen the money, and she probably kicks up off at him, doesn't she? She slaps him, tells him to fuck off, and marches off. Yeah, because bless him, he's like, obviously thought he was quids in the night before, which he would have been if the old man hadn't come in, not pissed out of his head, but um. He's like there and he's got a nice shirt and everything on and he's ready for, you know, a bit of a cafe and stuff. And she just walks over in the middle of the street and starts telling the fuck off and calling him a thief and all that stuff. And it's like, Christ, talk about going from high to low. Yeah, exactly. Looking at the synopsis here, Brad, I think we've jumped a little bit ahead because that's actually the next part of the synopsis. Oh, well, let's have a look then. So when Steph uh, recognises the theft, she immediately blames Dean, who in turn surmises that it was Jimmy. Roxy, who is one of Terry's prostitutes, confides in Bill that Jimmy is working for Terry. Bill confronts Jimmy and warns him that he will end up in prison if he continues down the path he is on. Bill returns to Steph's home with the stolen money, who in turn returns to make amends with reconcile with Dean. Terry demands that Bill meet him at the local pub. Bill, rationalising that in returning the drugs Jimmy had on him, he had relinquished Jimmy to Terry's control, Terry has other intentions, including never re- releasing Jimmy from his obligations, as well as killing Bill for his reluctance to leave. Bill uses violence against Terry and his goons in a showdown. That brings us close to the end of the movie with that little bit there. But yeah, after Steph sort of kicked off in the street and everything, I do like that bit where um, uh, Bill finds out that obviously Jimmy's been working for tea and everything, and he's like proper pissed off, and he goes up to Pill, doesn't he? And he's like fucking got him against the mm. pole, putting his hand on his face and everything. It's like a real kind of rough stuff thing that you see like when you're out and you see people getting larry on the streets it's really kind of uncomfortable but at the same time i was hoping he was just going to clock pill because he's a pillow yeah i mean he doesn't really give a shit does he because pill's got the other guy with him he's got a fucking rockwilder or something but he's not taking any shit is he at one point he's like you fucking like, have a go at jimmy and i'll cut your head off with a fucking bread knife just showing like that sort of because he's been quite mild-mannered up until now but this obviously shows that the wild bill side of him i guess because he's like a fucking raven doony he doesn't actually Hell is such, but he's certainly got him up by the fucking neck up against the lamppost, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he has. And I was thinking, I was like, is this going to go into like one of those kind of like nobody John Wick style things? Like he's just suddenly going to kick off out of nowhere because he's not really a big guy, isn't he? He doesn't look particularly sort of like, I'm not going to say he doesn't look hard or anything. He's just got a look, got that sort of London street look, but he's not like big and muscly. He doesn't look all gnarly or anything. He just looks kind of a bit dopey, to be honest, kind of unassuming. Um, so you know he's obviously going to kick off or do something because everyone's wary of him. Yeah, exactly. I think he's just a bit of a loose cannon, isn't he? It's not his size. I think, you know, when people kind of, not deranged as such, but when, you know, people have they've got that manic side, it doesn't really matter how big they are when they go off, does it? Yeah, right. You know, smash glass in their hand and whatever they can get their sort of like mitts on, basically, becomes a weapon and stuff. And I did really like the bit when he does catch up to Jimmy and he sort of, chases him down and he had that conversation with him about, you know, like 
this is what happens when you go to prison and all that stuff. You know, you think the first year is the hardest. It's not. It's the second. And then, you know, you've got people in there trying to shank you and can't have a shit without, you know, the warnings watching you and obviously the nonsense trying to bum you and all that sort of stuff. And it's a really deep sort of conversation. I quite liked it because it's quite powerful and he's trying to make sh- sure, like, his son doesn't go down the same route that he went down. Yeah, I thought it was a really good speech as well. It was quite good as well because in these films, sometimes you think, how the fuck did he find him? Because the first thing Jimmy says is, how did you find me? He's like, well, I'm used to this sort of thing where I just thought where well, I'd go when I was your age sort of thing. So that kind of shows how he found him because sometimes in these films they just appear like we saw the other week when people just appeared in the right place at the right time yeah absolutely so there's a little bit more to it um like you say like he's like well this is the london area like i grew up here the same as you so i know all the little hiding spots and everything yeah it's pretty good yeah and he, and he takes jimmy to apologize to steph um you know yeah again fair play he's like he's like um i stole the money i oh, know he's like i stole some of the money or something it's like what all right i stole all the money he makes him apologise. And then, again, to be fair to Bill, he's like, look, it's probably my fucking fault, you know, and I'll, if the, if it's short, I'll make up the difference. So, you know, he's kind of sticking up for his kid, even though his kid's completely in the wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where this kind of happens in these sort of films. And I know, obviously, they're going to get obviously, this gritty London gangster. It's going to kick off in that. But things just seem to kind of, like, escalate really quickly. Like, he goes to, obviously, mm. T, and he's like, look, I don't want you hassling my son. Here's all your gear and all this sort of stuff and taking it back. And we've seen sort of snippets of T, and he's, like, calling people in. It's like, oh, how many have we got? Oh, six. Well, that's not enough. Call in, I don't know, fucking Edgar or whoever he says. And he's like, he wants all these people in this pub ready to kind of jump Bill, indicating that, obviously, Bill is going to kick off. Like you're saying, he's going to be pretty hard to deal with. But he just suddenly goes like really like dark, like threatening Jimmy. He's like, I'm going to burn your family down. I'm going to do all this. Then he gets a gun and he's going to kill Bill and all that sort of stuff. It's like, that's a fucking huge escalation, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah, isn't it? Because Steph goes around to see Dean um, because she's like, oh, how is Dean? He's like, oh, yeah. When he leaves, when he's giving her the money back, he's like, well, he's all right. Does he hate me? Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, with a passion, but sort of gives a wink and she sort of smiles. Then she turns up at the flat. And at first, Dean's really arsy to her, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And then she sort of, like, looks at him, and then they start kissing. So Bill looks like, right, come on, let's go. And he takes Jimmy and um, Roxy out to get a Chinese. And that fucking little chavvy kid pulls up. Well, he doesn't pull up himself, but he's in a car, and he gets out, and he's like, T wants to meet you tomorrow outside. Or Callahan's, I think the pub's called, 11 o'clock and all that. He's like, you're in deep shit or something, and gets back into the car, doesn't he? And just, they drive off. Yeah, that little kid. It's like I couldn't take him seriously. I know, like we know the T employs kids, and he even says, you know, when um, Bill calls him out, and he goes, yeah, because the old Bill can't nick him, and so he gets like these little kids running drugs from him and everything, which is obviously fucking dirty fucking tactics anyway. But this little kid, he reminded me of that fuck. I keep seeing this um fucking Oompa Loompa pop up on line sometimes. I think his name's like Habula or whatever. Oh, no yeah. idea what the fuck he's supposed to be, but he reminded me of that. And I was just like, oh, God, I can't even take this little kid seriously for, like, two minutes. And at one point, he's like, uh, Jimmy turns around, uh, Bill, sorry, turns around and goes, anything else? Yeah, suck my dick. And then he yeah. fucking walks off. <laughs> has Buller or something. He's a grown man, isn't he? But he's, like, the size of a kid or something. Yeah, I see him all the time. I'm not really sure what's going on with him, but we'll get sidetracked when we go into that. But I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And it sort of cuts back to the flat, and we've got a bit of a happy families moment here before it all kicks off. We're all having their Chinese and having a bit of a laugh. And then... You know, Steph and um, Dean go off into their room and they, I assume, get it on, don't see anything. Um, but it looks like he probably did actually get his birthday present in the end. 
And then we've got um, Bill's looking out over London. I mean, it's a shitty, grotty flat, but they've got quite a nice view of London. He's looking out, and then Roxy sort of gives him the warning that um, Dickie's like goes tooled up and Pills a fucking lunatic and she's warning him what's going to happen tomorrow and then he's like come to bed it's almost like this is kind of your last hurrah before you're going to get fucking taken out tomorrow isn't it or like yeah you definitely got that sense of foreboding haven't you because like, when they're sort of sat around a table eating the Chinese and that you sort of the kind of the way the music comes and you see like Bill kind of watching he's got like Dean and Steph obviously they're quite happy together munched on like noodles Jimmy's you know, taking a crack at a prong cracker, and then he's got um obviously Roxy with him in that as well, and he's kind of looking at this kind of family and the way she's like saying, "Oh, come to bed" and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, "Oh shit, is he actually gonna die?" Because that's usually what comes up in these sort of movies, like the the kind of the main character dies at the end, the sort of sins of the fathers type scenario, which doesn't quite happen in this. Spoiler alert, but you know something's gonna go down. Yeah, and I do like the way this is shot now because we get Bill the next morning, Jimmy gets up and he's like where's my dad gone and Roxy's like oh he's gone out and we sort of get Bill going down in the lift and the music's quite sort of bleak and I think Mark Hollis was the name of the singer um, I can't remember what the song's called but I like the way that's sort of shot and he's walking to the pub and we see Jimmy's on his way there as well and T's got his mob together they all arrive he's got fucking loads of people isn't he? he obviously knows Bill's going to be a handful and then as you said there Bill gives T the money and basically says leave Jimmy alone he's out now this is the fucking money leave him alone and then he goes off, he's, he's all of the coke, hasn't he? And he goes off, he's like, right, I'm off. And T's like, no, go and drink your fucking pop or something, doesn't he? So off he goes. And then the landlord hands him like a baton sort of thing over the bar, doesn't he? And then Bill just walks over to the table where T, Pill and all that are sat and just suddenly just fucking kicks off, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And it's a good fight scene. It's fucking, it's really well shot because it looks like earlier on when you said... um when What's-His-Chops fucking clouted Roxy, like, that looked like a genuine punch. There's a bit here where um, Bill's on the ground and they're all stomping him, and that looks, like, fucking real. Like, fair play, they, you know, it, it was, like, the choreography and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm, well, you're the same as well. Unfortunately, I've seen a few fights in bars and all that sort of stuff, and they do get pretty hairy. And um, this looked pretty full-on, I thought. Yeah, it is, doesn't it? Yeah, it does look good. And um, it's quite good, though, isn't it? Because um, fucking T, well, Bill's taking the kickings on the floor and everyone's fucking kicking him. Then he bites T's leg, doesn't he? He's like, ah, my fucking leg. And then Dickie just runs off. He's like, it's so fucking hard. He just, like, runs to the door and he's gone, isn't he? He does, yeah. Just before this fucking fight kicks off when they're in the sort of pub and everything, there's a couple of bits here that made me laugh involving Pill. But like, he walks in like like a fucking bell end, like he is, thinking he's, like, some kind of gangster. And you've got like um, Dickie and T, they're sat at their table you know, reading the paper. And he sits down and goes, is he here yet? And T just doesn't even look at him. He goes, yeah, he's under the table, isn't he? Just like, you know, of course he's not fucking there, you pillock. And then he goes over yeah. to like the um, the snooker table or pool table. And there's like this big dude they call in, like proper big gnarly looking black guy. And he, he goes over and goes, ear man, and all that sort of stuff. And the guy to Johnny goes, don't speak black to me, speak normal. And I thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. Isn't it? I mean, the, the black guy there, he was in the flat with him, or in T's house, wasn't he? Um, but he's really not into the violence, is he? When it all starts kicking off and T goes outside to get the gun, he's like, this is too fucking heavy for me, I'm off. And he just fucking goes, doesn't he? And then T comes back in with a gun and he fucking obviously aims it at Bill, misses, shoots the TV. And he's about to fucking shoot him again. This is when the landlord fucking clocks him with a baseball bat. He does. That's good. And, and you mentioned it just there as well. Like when he's there drinking his thing and he's like, says something to the landlord. And it's like, does Bertha still live here or something like that? Mm. And like, they kind of sneakily passes him like, like a blackjack or a cudgel, whatever it's supposed to be before he properly starts battering him. But yeah, I'm glad the old landlord got involved there because 
again, I thought this is a massive escalation, obviously, coming into a pub. I mean, I know guns aren't as common in England as they are in America or anything like that, and you do see them sort of getting the gun a bit shadily, all, like, wrapped up in rags and stuff, but just, like, blasting away in a fucking boozer in London, you're not really going to get away with it, are you? I thought that was going a bit too far. Yeah, exactly. And it's just that old geezer there, isn't it? When it's all kicking off, the fight's going on, he's just there with his paper, just going, oh, okay. But then when a the gun comes out, even he's like, oh, shit. It's a bit like fucking Trainspotting 2, isn't it? When that old guy sat in the pub and, like, uh, renting and sick boy kicking off and the other, but the old bloke's just watching him. I thought, it sort of reminded me of that. Yeah, that's a good call, actually. <laughs> so, um, the wrap things up, returning home with Jimmy, Bill is intercepted by Glenn. Bill reaffirms his commitment to his honest and law-abiding life, though his earlier fight obviously violates his conditions of parole. Knowing he will be sent back to prison, Dean, Roxy and Steph, Jimmy, see him off. Dean promising that he is welcome back when he returns. Inside the police car, Bill asks the officers if he has children and he wells up. Bill then begins to smile and laugh, remaining optimistic about his eventual return to this time. So that's just obviously the last kind of 10 minutes and stuff. And I didn't know what was going to go down when he was walking home with Jimmy and obviously old um, Andy Serkis kind of turns up. And again, he's like, he's really like brutal at one point. He's like grabbing his face and like bollocking him and having a go at him. Then he just goes all like camp and cheery and just waddles off. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? They've kind of got this weird relationship. Obviously, I, mean, I suppose he's a little bit wary of Bill still. He knows he's a live wire, but I'll tell you, fucking old... um. Andy Circus Glenn, I think his character's called. His mind is fucking massive. He's about 10 foot tall. Yeah, he's got he that is, black Range Rover. Um, but yeah, he's sort of like, it's kind of like a mutual respect, I think, isn't it? Like old um, Glenn says, right, fucking basically see you later kind of thing. I'll, I'll leave you alone if you leave me alone. And off he drives. And old Jimmy's like, I thought we were going to die there, Dad. And he's like, yeah, me too. But Jimmy picks up a fucking like, plank at one point. It looks like he's going to twat old Andy Circus with it. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Fair play to him. Obviously, he's you know, grown some bollocks, aren't he, old uh, Jimmy? But certainly more than what Pill's got. Pill's just a fucking prick more than anything else. But yeah, he's willing to defend his dad, and I quite like that. But um, yeah, I do like the kind of relationship because at first, Andy's circle, Glenn, as it were, he's like, you know, I can't just have people go around knocking my guys around. Everyone, everyone will fucking lose respect for me and shit. And then Bill's just like, well, tell them to stop fucking about my family and I'll leave them alone. So, like you say, they kind of have it sort of there, and he sort of buggers off. But then he put, comes up to his house and the fucking old Bill comes screaming round and arrest him and stuff. And I thought, well, I knew it was going to end kind of a bit bittersweet, really. I mean, kind of glad he didn't die. I was expecting someone to fucking shank him or shoot him in the pub mm. or whatever. But obviously he just ends up going back to jail. But obviously having now seen a life that he's happy with, hopefully gets through his stretch and comes out to obviously to return to his family. Yeah, it's kind of left open, isn't it? Obviously, there was never a sequel. There wasn't the money to make one, I guess. So there could have been, I suppose. But I'm glad there wasn't. It kind of leaves it open. But, I mean, he's in the back of the cop cars. The synopsis said there, and he says, have you got kids? And the, the cop is like, yeah, two two girls. He's like, that's nice, isn't it? He went, well, yeah, most of the time. And then Bill's <laughs> like, yeah, see those two there? They're my kids. And he sort of starts laughing. Then he sort of starts crying. It's kind of like, say, bittersweet. But I'm thinking, all right, okay, you've kept tea at bay for, for now. But surely your kids now are fucking wide open because Steph and Roxy aren't going to be able to protect them, are they? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Steph, you know, bless her, she is who she is. Um, Roxy's probably got a target on her back because she used to work with T or for T or whatever the mm. situation was. Um, and we don't even know really what, I mean, obviously T gets the shit kicked out of him because the landlord clocks him and then um, Bill beats the shit out of him. And it's like, well, he's he going to get arrested himself because you would have thought the landlord would have called the old Bill. Maybe they're all going to go in for a stretch because they're all laid out in the bar, perfect time to arrest them. But you don't really know what's happening. But like you said, they're kind of, 
it's open season on them, isn't it? With um, Bill going behind bars again. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's not exactly a happy ending, but I mean, this film, as I said at the start, although there are some dark comedy moments, it's certainly um, quite a bleak film. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Um, so, yeah, that concludes the uh, the review of this particular movie. So, what we're going to do now is give this one some scores, and as it was JT's choice, uh, you're going to go first. Okie dokie, I will then. So, uh, yeah, I chose this one, having watched it once before, and I thought I wanted to get your spin on it as well, so it's something a bit different. Um, yeah, I really like this film. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of gritty UK films and drama programmes in general. I do tend to gravitate towards them. And I will say, not a lot really happens in this film, but I think that's testament to the cast and to how they act. I mean, Charlie Creed Mills is um, Bill is great. Will Poulter is good as Dean. I thought he's brilliant. I mean, he's not that old in this film. Um, and all the supporting cast are great. I mean, T is a believable bad guy, even though he, he's a bit, not shit, but he's, he's, I don't know, but he is believable. Pill is a complete dick, but that's the point of him. I thought Roxy and Steph, both really good characters. And I think Sammy Williams is the name of the kid who plays Jimmy. I mean, considering his age, I thought he was brilliant in it. Um, soundtrack's good. It really fits on what's going on. It's quite sort of that indie sort of music, quite gritty indie music. Um, I mean, this film's not going to have a massive appeal, and it certainly didn't make any bloody money at all. It lost shitloads of money. But what it does do, it does really well, and it's kind of a nice change from that glossy Hollywood sheen that we see all the time. And I do like the more, as we've always said, the gritty British style, which just resonates a bit more with me. So I've seen this twice now, and I've enjoyed it both times. Enjoy maybe being a strange word for such a bleak film, so it's not particularly happy. Um, but I'm going to give this a really strong three others. Um, I just think it's a really good film, mainly down to the acting from the cast, because the plot's not particularly original. Not a massive amount happens, but it does kind of keep you gripped from start to finish. So a very strong three for me, Brad Roll. What about yourself? Oh, lovely stuff. Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you've just said there, JT. I mean, I've not heard of this film, but I do like, Obviously, the gritty London type, even though I can't actually like London, it's probably my dislike for London that makes me like those sort of films. I don't know, it's kind of like a weird thing. But yeah, I do like the more kind of darker British style films. I think we just do them really well. I know there are some good American ones, but like I say they don't have that Hollywood sheen on them. They have that roughness around them. And I kind of like that in my movies. Um, as I mentioned earlier, and as you did there, like the plot is not particularly original and it's a framework we've seen for loads of these kind of gangster redemption style movies that we see like saying everything from like the modern the period piece even down to westerns and everything it's a framework that we've seen lots of times but it is done well here and i think um as jt said that's testament to how good the cast are i mean it, as i said at the start if you're a fan of british cinema or tv shows you've pretty much seen everyone in this in various different things i'd imagine and they're all really good you know it's just nice to see like a, such a good ensemble even if just some of them are in it for a moment like Anytime old Sean Pertwee, uh, you know, appears in something, I'm always happy and love Andy Serkis. Um, yeah, good cast all round, really. And the soundtrack was good. Not necessarily my type of music per se, but in context to a movie like this and the setting, works perfectly. Can't really argue with it. Um, it's gritty and it's got a feeling of unease all around it, which I like because it's, considering they keep hinting that he is like a bit of a lunatic and a loose cannon, it's not overly violence, but I think movies like this are good because they just suggest violence quite a lot. And then when it does kick off, you're kind of like, well, here we go. Now, you know, we're getting somewhere. Um, but it's just the fact that, you know, 
it kind of portrays this world that they live in, that you know, the life, so to speak, you know, crime begets crime, sins of the father, all those sort of tropes. And it just kind of brings all that together. And it wasn't a particularly long movie, so it didn't outstay its welcome. And it'll probably make it quite a good rewatchable movie because these movies, even though they are quite bleak and they're not particularly cheerful, I do find them quite rewatchable when they're only about the sort of 90 minute mark. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to go... Um, down the same line as you, JT. I'm going to give this a good strong three others. I'll be happy to watch it again. I actually texted Rachel earlier when I was watching it, saying, "Oh fuck no, the cast of this movie, literally everyone we like, is in it." Um, so she'll probably be up for watching it at some point. So um, yeah, three others from me. Oh, good stuff, Redwell. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I thought you probably would. And like I say, it's as we both just said there. Not a massive amount happens, and it's not particularly original. But what does happen happens really well, and. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen it twice now, and I'd certainly sit there and watch it again. I know Kirsty wouldn't fucking give it the time of day, so he would not be interested, but maybe watch it with my old man when I'm down in Andover at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the thing with these movies. I mean, as we saw, like, it did fuck all at the box office, and like I said, I'd never heard of it. I mean, it must have been released in, like, one cinema or something. I'm not sure, but <laughs> um, they do get a bit of a second wind, don't they, on the streaming sites these days? That is one good thing about the streaming sites. Every now and then, these obscure movies just appear, and they manage to pick up a bit of traction so hopefully people will go out there and watch it um i watched it on netflix as i believe you did so yeah it's out there at the moment if anyone wants to check it out i'd imagine if you're listening to this episode you probably have heard of it or seen it before but if not definitely go and check it out yeah definitely recommended um yeah just uh don't particularly expect to be um cheered up by it but certainly well <laughs> worth a watch <laughs> Definitely. So that is our look at Wild Bill. Um, next week, we're not going to be on because there's a few bits and pieces going on. Um, but we will be, uh, JT and I will actually be face to face for like the one or two times a year. We actually catch up for a pint or whatever. Um, so the following so follow <laughs> week will come to you. And I haven't decided what we're going to watch yet because a few things may come out between now and then. Um, so if you're following us on Twitter, which I'm sure you all are, at the Hyperbaric Goats, we'll try and announce what we're going to review. We probably won't, so just tune in when the next episode's out and see what we've done. Oh, you're going to keep me in suspense, Fredwell. <laughs> I am, yeah. Well, I'll let you know because you've got to watch it. But <laughs> I just haven't just <laughs> Yeah, please do at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, so there we go. Stay, stay tuned. Once I let JT know, he'll put it out on Twitter so you can uh, watch it ahead of time if you fancy. And thank you for joining us. This is Bread Roll signing off. And me, JT. I've just got one last thing to say. What should your dad do? He's a boxer. What's your dad do? He's an astronaut. What's your dad do? He's a fucking signpost.